Why, hello to all my lovely friends out there in podcast land. How are you? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Uh, for some of you, happy birthday. Uh, either way, you're listening to Plot Mechanics. This is the movie podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, our favorite movies, movies in general. And my name is Leon. I'll be joined shortly by Ed, Adil, and Motsi. And this week, we are talking about the classic Christmas movie, or Halloween movie, depending on how you want to look at it. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, Absolutely fantastic film. It's going to be a great conversation, and we talk about uh, everything that made this movie what it is and how it stood the test of time in the plus 20 years that it has come out. So sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation. It'll be good times. Oh boy, oh boy. Nightmare Before Christmas. What up, everybody? This is Plot Mechanics. How's everyone doing? You doing good? Uh, yeah, welcome to another episode of our uh, podcast where we talk about movies. And of course, due to the holiday season, we decided to talk about uh, the fantastic movie Nightmare Before Christmas. So before we get into all the fantasticness that is this movie musical by Tim Burton, uh, first thoughts, people, what are you guys thinking? What's going on? Um, I'm thinking that it's the perfect movie to have between Christmas and Halloween. If you like both of those things, it is a very fun thing to have in, as Ed said, his November 1st movie. Yes, it is my November 1st movie. Um, And the reason why that is, as I've, as I explained off uh, camera or off the air to these guys is that it is the day after November, November 1st is the day after Halloween and the day before Starbucks puts up all their Christmas crap generally speaking. Um, and that's usually the time that, that signals to me that I need to start getting my Christmas stuff up. So yes, my Christmas things are up uh, early first week in November. Uh, so that's how it is. Yeah, I love this movie. It's it's great. Um, I saw this when I was probably nine years old or 10 years old. Um, I remember it terrifying the hell out of me back then. Um, but over the years, I've grown to love it just as much. I think it's great. I had never seen this movie before. I uh, so I thought it was really interesting. It's um, so I, I did not love it. It's not really my type of film. However, I would still give it a nine out of ten because it's. I mean, to be if if I want to be objective about something, my personal appreciation has nothing to do with the the the, the quality of the movie. So it's. I think it's a really good film. It's very, very well made for what it's trying to do. And it's um, it's also a very good analogy uh, for cultural appropriation, even though it probably was not trying to be. But I think it, it's, it works really well if you want to explain that to somebody. I would like to hear in-depth arguments on that when we get into it. Um, <laughs> but I guess I will say... I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. If I did, I was very young and I remember glimpses of seeing it in theaters. So I know that like most Tim Burton movies, we had a $2 cinema by our house growing up. So I know I saw like James and the Giant Peach in theaters and I pretty sure I was like six years old or something like that. And I saw this in theaters. Um, Yeah, it's a great movie. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's it's exactly what you expect going into it. I mean, it's it's just a fun movie. I mean, I didn't I didn't hate it. I don't I don't. I mean, it's it's good. I don't know if I love it, but it's good. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, it's just, I just enjoy this. I just enjoy this film. It's just a fun, fun Christmas movie. It's very, um, it's very, I love the mood it sets more than like, I love the movie itself. Like the, the movie itself is good. Like there isn't like, there's no denying it's good, but I think what really sets it apart is how it really like hits the mood that it wants to hit, which is because of the music, first of all, like, I think what I love most about this movie and what I'll remember years and years after watching it is the music like the songs at least that they have in this in this movie for I don't think there are that many actually but like it's but the songs that they do have are like the most memorable and they literally like they literally have a song called this is Halloween and that's what people play every year when it is Halloween so Mm -hmm. it is like it does hit classic um it does hit that that you know uh it is a it is very much a quintessential classic um in terms of like the story, um, the story, like, I, I don't love it more than, like, my favorite ever, like, um, animated movies or anything, but I think it's very, like, it is very well, well told. It is a very well told story. I think it's, like, um, obviously one of the um, top uh, uh, stop motion films of the time, and it's still very impressive to this day, and it's very much more pure stop motion than anything that happens these days. Um, which is not like, which is not to say stop motion films are bad now. That's not it at all. It's really just the technological like advances that we see. And yeah, like again, music's great. Like, I love the music more than anything. And people still buy this stuff on Hot Topic every year. Yep. <laughs> it, it has yep. lasting power. It has very much aesthetic power. I think it's, its greatest strength is the mood that it sets, the atmosphere that it sets, the aesthetic that it has. Um, and the story itself works. That, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's it's a musical through and through. It's designed to be a musical. So the story doesn't isn't told through dialogue. It is told mostly through the songs. Mm-hmm. And I do think the songs are very representative of what the film is about. Um, there's a lot of different things this film is about. And I do agree that it's mostly a mood piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's one of my favorite animated films. I, I love this and I, lo- I watch it. Or, like I said, November 1st, but I'm usually the one humming this is Halloween during Halloween mm-hmm. in preparation yeah. for Halloween. Um, and then after that, I'm usually singing like Kidnap the Sandy Claus. Kidnap <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Every, every, <laughs> or like, yeah. like up to Christmas every now and then. So, um, at, or uh, what's this? That's, that's, that's what, another uh, yes, great, exactly. a great uh, like, Christmas song. So, Danny Elfman really, really brought it home with this. Yeah. Um, I, I think I do want to preface this by saying that Tim Burton actually did not have that much to do with this movie. Exactly. Um, and I'm thankful because I hate Tim Burton. Sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, it is mostly directed by Henry Selleck. Henry who Selleck. Also, who did the wonderful Coraline. Henry Selleck. Well. And, and a lot of the, the, the visual style and a lot of that actually is attributed to Henry Selleck, his team of animators, Caroline Thompson, who I think wrote the, I believe is one of the head screenwriters of this. Um, and it's really just based off of a poem that Tim Burton poem, wrote, yeah. which, which isn't very good. Um, and I know, <laughs> and I know that there have been stories of Tim Burton showing up, showing up on set and actually causing a lot of grievance to the crew, um, you know, based oh. on this. So, yeah. So I didn't hear I, about this, but that's they, but, very interesting. Yeah. But his, his, uh, his name is the selling point, right? <laughs> you put that on there, people are going to go see it. So yeah, the title is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Exactly, exactly. So that's that that's very it. much a uh, a uh, you know we got to get people we got to get people into the movie into the theater to see it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Well, I'll do a quick synopsis. We're not going to break this down um, 
how we normally do. I just think um, for this movie, it doesn't really need that. Um, so basically just the plot in, in, in a nutshell, um, it opens up in kind of like this fantasy world where there's different lands based on different holidays. Um, it, it zooms into Halloween town, which is basically popular populated by monsters, supernatural beings. And they all basically respect Jack Skellington, who is considered the pumpkin king. And he's the one that organizes all the annual Halloween celebrations. And he does so again this year. The difference this year is that Jack is kind of tired of this same routine that he always, it's, it's always the same thing. He's gotten bored of it. He wants something different. And so he ends up kind of wandering, you know, around the woods and somehow he gets out of Halloween town and finds all the the, the entranceways uh, into the different towns. And he, stum and he stumbles into uh, Christmas town. And just by the, the sheer contrast to Halloween town, he's just completely enamored by what he sees. He, he, he loves the idea of snow. He loves the idea of all these like, of uh, people, pre people preparing like Christmas lights and, and toys being prepared. And so he decides that he's going to bring Christmas uh, to Halloween Town. And the way that Halloween interprets Christmas is completely different from the way that Christmas is meant to be. So it involves a kidnapping Santa Claus plot. It involves Jack assuming the identity of, of Santa Claus and basically dropping horrible terrifying gifts on christmas town which sends the whole uh town into a frenzy and uh he le and so santa's basically left with oogie boogie who's the the boogeyman and he plans to kill santa claus because he's crazy and so jack realizes that he has to get oogie boogie uh santa rescue santa and save christmas and that's kind of where um we will leave the synopsis. Spoiler alert, he saves Christmas. So <laughs> there we are. All right, let's talk about Never this. Never would have guessed. I know, right? funny thing, like, first of all, Jack Skellington, such a great name. Such, yeah. such a great name for a character. Such a great look. That's why he's like on, on all he's of the- everything. On everything, mm -hmm. everything. That yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Not just him though, like visually this movie is, uh, like you said, Marty, it's stunning. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you can just look at any still and it's still a gorgeous, gorgeous thing that you could frame and put on a wall. And it's so freaking creative. Like the mayor has, is a two-faced mayor, literally. It's, I really yeah. wish I loved this movie more. <laughs> I love that. I love the way that he's, he's super happy and then he turns and he's like paranoid and, and and little things like that um sally who i didn't really mention in 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 the plot but she's also like a great character the way she can just like rip off parts of her body and use it in a way that's very resourceful she's probably the most resourceful person in this entire movie too so yeah i mean like again like this was this was like early claymation or not early claymation but like claymation nonetheless so like a lot of these character designs really had were were designed in a way that they would work in that kind of field so like they kind of have to rely on designing these characters in a way that would translate well in shot to shot right and and having definitive features that if something went wrong while taking you know one of 
80,000 or 40,000 pictures or whatever um, that they could easily copy over. And I think because it was in claymation, you know, in the early 90s, it kind of forced that the team to to really develop and, and strategize new ways to work in this film of animation to minimize, you know, time and money and all the things that making movies in Hollywood comes through, right? I'm sure like Mati can also speak to like when working with animation and, you know, understanding that having large chunks and moving them at a time is a lot easier to animate than, you know, tiny pieces of clothing and shreds. And, and like this film is, is perfected the ability to, to create designs and strategies that can be easily manipulated as well as animated in that, in that medium in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I will say. Um, oh, sorry. Just, just a quick question: uh, mm-hmm. Is this claymation or is it just stop motion animation? Because I know claymation is a very specific type of stop to motion. Clay. Right? I believe it is claymation. I have to double check. Um, I think someone, yeah, Leon, if you could check that. But yeah, um, I do think. But I think what, um, as you mentioned, Leon, I think the genius of it is how everyone looks so skinny and inhuman, and that kind of lends itself to not only like the aesthetic of the movie, but also the fact that, uh, yeah, with stop motion claymation, you have wire people. You have pe- like you have like these figures that are like basically like a bunch of wires where you like replace heads and stuff. So the fact that they are wire people, not only as like, uh, you know, as a function of making it easier to animate them, but also just because like it's, it's um, but because it like make, it matches the Halloween aesthetic is actually really genius. And those who aren't wire people, like, you know, the, the big mayor and everything, they move a different way. Like, you know, Jack like moves very articulated, but the, the, the mayor like kind of goes left and right because that's how you'd like move him. So that's like really fun. Like, it's just, um, it's one of those movies where like it, you still get so much out of it artistically to this day like it's one of those things that's not only a story story like well I guess not story but like in terms of like the way it was constructed was so artistic but at the same time like you can still find a video online of you know one of those um time lapses where where you see a person like moving the character but the person's moving at like light speed and like the (laughs) and the character is like moving at regular speed it's one of those things it's like it's just a really nice movie it's the kind of thing that'll get you to appreciate the art a little more and the fact that it's a classic you kind of revisit it every year just appreciate that yeah it was a it was a combination so it was mainly stop motion but they used elements of clay in certain aspects Mm -hmm. um to kind of pull it off in certain certain looks Mm -hmm. so it was a little bit of both but yeah. mainly claymate or mainly stop motion. Mm-hmm. Cool. Exactly. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like, again, I want to bring up the music because this is really what like, this is the music that really puts, I guess not necessarily puts Danny Elfman on the map because he did Batman and that's a whole other thing. But like, it is the music that made him like kind of a household name in terms of that style. I guess it's like this particular style of music. And of course it's the one that people listen to the most because it is like a, not only a musical, but like Disney, Disney affiliated, Disney, yeah. It is a Disney Disney musical. So it's like, it is, it, it will stay. Like it has such staying power and it is like, um, I don't know, like what's your favorite song in this movie? Because I think like that's what it comes down to. Like, <laughs> um, Honestly, I think I'm a fan of This Is Halloween, What's, um, what's This and the Kidnap Santa Claus songs like equally. Equally. And, <laughs> And because they're so iconic and they and they take such a huge collectively take such a huge chunk out of the film, it's like I'm I'm okay with that, right? Um, yeah, exactly. I really honestly there isn't a bad song in this film. I think all of them are great, and I think all of them build the characters that 
that they're trying to 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 um to develop and i think that's really cool um because like this is again like i never really watched a lot of musicals and even to this day i'm not the world's biggest fan of them i think i think that they're getting a lot better um aside from like some of the iconic ones from from the 60s and the 50s but like i do think that 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 they're become for me they're becoming a little more watchable on a grander scale but nightmare before christmas i've always enjoyed and i've always been kind of fascinated by it um include and i guess maybe that is because of its short runtime because <laughs> it's only like an hour and like 10 minutes <laughs> i mean that's what like you really that, need but... for this movie right you only need like an hour and a, it, it, it's it not... doesn't overstay its welcome it's it's right. like it, it gets in it hits you with all this mood with with this and with this it's in, an interesting story, an interesting take on how to combine Halloween and Christmas, you know, and and great songs and and again like, it, and and it and it leaves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. interestingly, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, if, if I remember correctly, War- uh, Disney did not um, initially release this film. They actually oh, yeah. they actually released it through Touchstone Pictures mm-hmm. because. I don't know if they were so if they wanted to be associated with something so weird and creepy because I remember um, how there were kind of like pe- there were like kind of warnings to parents uh, before this yeah. film would come out that it's hey this is kind of scary this may not be for all children and I, I think Disney didn't really want to want to be associated with that at that time right so he wouldn't know it now <laughs> i know right now, now it's all over now it's, it's all, all disney disney <laughs> we know the, the value of merch but exactly. um yeah like i mean talking about it i didn't like i forgot that it was that short but it is that short now i think about it like i can remember the entire movie in my head and it, it really is that short and my favorite song is the oogie boogie song it's just yeah, so cool it's a great song it's a great just, song yeah. and it, i think like i think i remember um being very very young and seeing the trailer for this on tv and i remember um i think it was like a a commercial like for (laughs) this is what my mom used to like record an entire day of um of kids tv in the u.s when she was in the u.s and she just recorded on a videotape and then she let me watch it and that's how i (laughs) saw us um tv but yeah um i remember like there was literally like a shrunken head in one of the scenes, like a, they had like um, a kid taking out a shrunken head from a from a gift box, and I can imagine like that really scared a bunch of like <laughs> really tiny people. But yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting. And um, I guess like uh, is it really like that much story? Like we'll, let's talk about the story. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, not really. It's pretty much. It's a, it's a pretty. Bit. It's a pretty one note. One note event. No, it's still. Right? It's still a pretty it good. It's tightly made it's it's very efficiently told but it's it's still a very i think it's an interesting story personally i think it's 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 the it's the classic the guy who who's like going through a crisis and then he he needs change like a quarter life crisis or like i don't know midlife crisis i don't know how old he is and then he he finds something else and then he tries to appropriate that he doesn't understand it and he messes up everything, and then he realizes that everything he really needs is around him. It's his his family, and then uh, the the people who love him. So mm-hmm. he goes through that emotional journey, and just even though he's like this big star, he's he's the star of this of this of his world. He's the probably the most popular person there. And even then, he tells you that, you know, there's still something missing in his life. Yeah. And even more interestingly, he's the villain, technically. 
in the story when you really look at it. Like, I mean, obviously, like not at the end, but like the, what's so unique about this protagonist is that he's the one who gets them to kidnap Santa Claus in the yeah. first place. He's the bad guy here. And it's just that in the learning of his lesson, the worst guy just doesn't want to like, just doesn't want to like acquiesce, even though he's technically his boss. He's the boss. Like it's the boss saying like, let's do this. And then like a slightly an underling of his saying like, no, okay, I'll do this. And then when he like changes his mind, he's like, no, I'll still do this. It's so weird to be like rooting for essentially the bad guy. <laughs> and that's why that's why I kind of like uh, like Adele's idea of like um, appropriation, right? Because this whole movie is the whole idea of intent versus impact, right? Like he didn't have any negative intent towards what he was doing, but his impact on what on the greater scheme of things is what portrayed him as a villain, right? And I think like using the idea of like appropriation that's the exact same thing like i think a lot of people who have the intent of you know looking at other cultures and taking on all these things and doing all these great ideas um don't realize the necessary impact of of their actions and and the idea that this movie subtly not probably not purposefully you know battles with you know what is what is the difference between intent and impact especially when you're from a culture that can't possibly comprehend the impact of your intent. The reason I, I thought it was good for an, a good analogy for cultural appropriation because it's a guy who falls in love with a foreign culture, and then he he likes certain aspects of it without totally understanding it or caring to actually do the work to understand it. He takes it home. He tries to make it his own. Tries to make it to to do the work, but not trying to understand it. He still makes it about himself he uses that to for self gratification as opposed to actually contributing to that what that culture means to the people who actually uh, own it and yeah. in the end he kind of learns that lesson because he messes up does he learn his lesson though cuz i feel like well, he doesn't i feel like he he gets santa claus to go everything's great and he goes back he's like well that was fun well, well santa, back, santa claus basically Santa Claus basically tells him to stay in his lane and then leaves. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I feel like if you're going to use it for analogy for, you know, cultural appropriation, it's pretty spot on for the ending for them to be like, oh, screw, screw you, Skellington. That too. All right, yeah. have a good day. <laughs> and then they leave and then end. <laughs> like, I feel like that pretty works. That, that oh works God, pretty well. That's actually really funny. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I see it. Like, I, I know it wasn't the intent of, of the film. I think it, it very much is. I think the thing I like about this story is that there are things that are vague enough that it wants to explore that it doesn't that you can kind of talk about it in a way that's that um, that isn't really, I guess you could say it's not delivering a message. It's kind of just presenting certain scenarios like I find Sally a very interesting character because through most of the movie, she's kind of submissive to Jack like she she constantly seeks out his approval. But at the same way, she's also like um she kind of saves the whole thing like you know in a way where it's like so she has like it, it's an interesting dynamic that she has um because without her jack would be probably killed by you know every like you know he probably would have been killed or probably wouldn't fully understand his lesson but you know and but at the same time she kind of has some interesting behavior patterns i find and 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 you know, with, with, with there, there's subtle jabs here and there with this film where it's like, 
the mayor will be like, Jack, I'm an elected politician. I can't make decisions by myself. Help me. (laughs) Things like that. So I don't feel like this movie, it's about a lot of things, but it's also not really about anything. And I think that's what I find so endearing about it. Um, but the the culture appropriation thing, like I see it, like it, it's definitely there. I think I think it would be more interesting as a tool where it's like, because I know at the very at the at the end of the whole thing, like there isn't anything, like no one has a negative a, a, a negative opinion of Christmas Town because of what Jack does. Everyone kind of goes, oh man, we screwed up. We're so sorry. Like we're never gonna do this again. Um, so I feel like you know in that respect it's kind of like it is it feels more like a 2021 reading but at the same time you can definitely use it as a tool to say hey like you know even if the intent isn't fully there this is how things can get out of hand so i don't know mm-hmm. it's cool yeah I mean, definitely a 2021 reading yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean like anything we read back from the 90s will have that i mean i think this the thing with this movie is i think it's one of the first 90s movies anyways to to be made for both adults and children not made for children so that and and have slights that adults can get and not made for adults that children can see i think it was actually like targeted to both um in, in a way that most movies that i can think of um weren't done that way they were either made for children and then parents just got dragged along or they were made for adults and parent children weren't allowed to go or was this before ratings when you know children could go see robocop in theaters i don't remember um but like i think because they have that that line of of how they would how they would do this this tell the story they could kind of push a lot of ideas and then kind of spin it off in like a goofy way right um which which is now we see that all the time because people have aged up with these ideas of toy story and aged up with Incredibles and aged up with all these like kids movies that are now running the same line as Nightmare Before Christmas did, um, you know, 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> that was a pause before 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, because it's actually like 27 years ago. My math is yeah. not great. Mm-hmm. That's why right. I was like, yeah. that math is wrong, but I'm committing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, almost 30. Yeah, it's 28 years. It's crazy. It aged really well. It aged really it well. Has. For, yes. Yeah. There are movies we'll talk about later that I feel have not aged very well, but this one <laughs> aged very well. You mean the best Christmas movie ever made? Worst. <laughs> well, not the worst Christmas movie no. ever made. <laughs> I would force you to watch Love Actually and reconsider that. But <laughs> I, I, I'd force you to watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and then, then and see what Let's you see. think of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a good it's Christmas funny. movie. It's a good yeah, Halloween it's, movie. It's funny because I don't really consider this to be like a Christmas movie. I know it is, but it's like because it's got so much Halloween elements to it, it fits perfectly as both. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it doesn't put me in the mood for either. It, it kind of puts me in the mood for it, but then doesn't, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like you, you see the Halloween stuff and then it's like, like right in the beginning and then all of a sudden it becomes more Christmassy. It's... And and so like, I guess in that respect, I just like watching it in between the holidays. I saw it described as um, it's Hall- it's, a, it's a Christmas movie for goths and gay people. And yeah. <laughs> that's exactly... <laughs> that's exactly how i'd consider it but yeah um yeah it's uh, again like the plot is short it's very simple it's very very effectively done um there is like so by that by that notion there's not 
that much to say about it other than what we've already mentioned. It is uh, short but sweet and yeah, it is a classic for a reason. There is a reason this is a classic. There is a reason it works and well. <laughs> marketable as hell. Movie marketable is- as hell. Put it on all the merch now. <laughs> the iconography, the 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 timing, the the voicing, the music. It's just it's so easy to pick any part of this movie and and just sell it. It's it's this movie was made to be sold. Um Again, I don't think that was done on purpose. And I think, I think that, it was the opposite. Yeah, at the time yeah, it was made. But yeah, and, like, um, it's also like, I, I want to say like, it's unsettling, but in, in, the, in the best way possible, it's unsettling. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I think that's why, pe- that's why even then, like, everyone was going crazy about like, oh, but the, this, is for, this is a kid's movie, but it's also not a kid's movie. And it's terrifying. Like, it's actually quite terrifying, blah, 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 blah. Um, it has that... Um, it has the unsettling look of stop motion, especially like earlier stop motion. Um, but because it's like horror themed, it worked out. Not so for many that came after it and like early CGI or like hmm. late stop motion. Lots of things that were not horror themed that tried to do that move, that that type of thing didn't work. <laughs> I mean, I would think... you say, sorry, Leon, oh, would ahead. you say, would you say that stop motion has got better since? Absolutely. Have, um, you, have you seen Kubo and the Two Strings? I, I <laughs> no, I, I personally do think so because oh, okay. because of Leica. Yeah, because of Leica. So, um, I would say um, obviously technology has gotten better. That's just a given for like most things. Um, I will say like um, I think that with stop motion, especially, it is difficult to say like whether like I don't think there's much of a difference in terms of the look of stop motion from then and now, it really is better because it's become easier to do. Uh, easier for a given value of easier because it's still stop motion and that's still like, oh, that's hellishly difficult to do. But um, yeah, like I think it's better because it's easier to do. And I think the artistic side is still as solid as it ever was because you don't do a stop motion animation just for the heck of it. You don't, nobody is looking at it and saying, this is a low budget, quick, way we can do make a movie people who make stop motion i think because people who make stop motion these days have the intention of of really telling the story with stop motion it kind of weeds out the bad you know what i mean it kind of weeds out the bad quality i think like and that that's like just a consequence of the industry itself well I, i think a lot of it is also like the techniques of creating stop motion haven't evolved even though the technology of doing so has right mm-hmm. so like yeah back in the day you would take a picture you put it in a dark room you would you would soak it in in you know acetate or whatever it is develop the picture put it up and if it's good it's good if it's blurry if you fail at that situation whatever now you take a picture digital camera throw in a computer and you put it in a frame in your set but the actual like fact that you have to go in move this thing take a picture know exactly how much you're moving it by where it's going and the timing and all the fun stuff that's wrapped around that. Um, I, I think like that, because we don't have the time delays of technology that we used to, but we still have the same techniques it allows for more creative usage, right? So if someone says, you know, in 1993, a scene in, in this movie probably would have taken, I don't know, a month, two months to do, you could probably do with a team of 50, 60 people in an afternoon. Um, because you just take one picture and throw it in a photo processing. Um, so, so I think in terms of stop motion, 
I, I think it's gotten better because it's allowed people to not work any faster, but work in more creative ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just um, if we were like, I don't think there's such thing as lazy animation. Oh, I, I really like, I don't think at, that at all, but I'm sure some people would consider that. And I think quote unquote, the lazy animation version of stop motion is uh, three is already a 3D modeling, which makes it not stop motion, which is, you know, a whole other thing. Like it's not, um, there is no way to really streamline stop motion more than it already has been and is being streamlined as it is working now. So again. Minus, minus robotics, because now there's oh, a lot, there are a lot of robots now that do a lot of micro movements and jobs that allow you to do, say, stop motion hair, which mm, okay. would have been insane. And like being able to calculate you know, sine waves in how, you know, follow through and, and overlap and all these animation techniques that back in the day would have been either taking you eight months to do a strand of hair or you wouldn't have done it at all and you would have done it in a chunk and then you would have moved the chunk and then you would, that's the same solution that, you know, this movie had and it found a way to, to make big pieces so that they could move it, which kind of just led to how marketable that these characters are. Just crazy, by the way, but also um, still related to uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but also talking about a different movie. How do you think um, Corpse Bride stands up to this movie if you've watched Corpse Bride? It does not. It does Corpse not, Bride right? Like, I, I still sucks. like Corpse Bride. I still like it. It's but it's but it's in comparison to Nightmare. It's just ugh. like it's like they it's kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas if they had added more time and then stripped Nightmare Before Christmas of its like by of most of its appeal. And the only reason I still like it is because of that one Danny Elfman song in it. <laughs> or I guess two or three. I don't know. Like there was one iconic one and the rest were kind of just whatever. So Cor- Corpse Bride is like the Ghostbusters 2 of stop of Tim Burton's <laughs> stop motion animation thing. Where it's like mm. we're trying to recreate the magic in the bottle, but we we just fail at every turn. You know, you know what? You know what it is, apart from the fact that it's Tim Burton, the fact that it, they took away all the color that was in in Nightmare Before Christmas. Because Nightmare Before say. Christmas, yeah, it's it's it like the the vibrancy of Nightmare Before Christmas is completely unburtony, is what I'll say about that. And like this one is just so colorful, it's so interesting, visually interesting, and like I, I can't imagine how people mistake the well, yeah uh, night, nightmare is uh ironically named nightmare is is very vibrant it's very alive mm-hmm. as opposed like you said like corpse bride is just gloomy and depressing yeah, yeah. and Which colorless it's called the corpse's bride but I mean, the other one's called nightmare mm-hmm. but yeah, like nightmare, nightmare, nightmares can be sunny just you know just yeah. depends how you're feeling but yeah, i mean it's again, also just yeah it's the corpse is, bride i'm sorry go yeah. ahead Mots, go ahead I was just going to say, like, the Corpse Bride, they had a moment where they wanted to show that death was a lot livelier than life. And even then, like, they did a little bit, but barely. Like, they barely showed the difference between how gloomy life was and how colorful death was. And I think that really is, like, a failure on the part of um, the Tim Burton style. But, yeah, like, I think the having that contrast is fine if you can really lean into the vibrance, which I think they kind of didn't lean hard enough, is what I'm thinking. I mean, like, but that's the thing. When you compare Corpse's Bride to Coraline, it also doesn't stack up. The problem, and I mean this in the, the most, the nicest way, because I know that directors do a lot of work and do a lot of things, but clearly there is a difference between the direction of Henry Selick and the direction of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Henry exactly. Selleck is just a better director. And then you get Night Before Christmas yeah. and you get Coraline and then you get 
corpse's bride on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. This is the roasting of Tim Burton. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, so so like before this podcast, I looked up like Henry Selick, right? And in terms of animation, like James and the Giant Peach, better than Corpse's yes. Bride. Monkey Bone, better than Corpse's Bride. Coraline, better than Corpse's Bride. Absolutely. Like there's the short film Moon Girl, better than Corpse's Bride. Like you keep calling just... Corpse's Bride. It's Corpse Bride. Oh, sorry, Corpse Bride. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just call it Corpse's Bride. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, like in terms of like in terms of of animation, I don't even know that he worked on Great Mouse Detective. Like he's just a good director for animation, and I, I think that that when that translates to being compared to other other like directors in that field, it's very hard to make the comparison. Yeah. So I mean, what else can we really say? It's a good movie because Henry Henry Selleck is amazing. People, I mean, I know Tim Burton's name is on it, but stop it! Like, it's Tim Burton did not make this magic. Henry Selleck did. Give Henry Selleck the love he deserves. Um, you know, because animators deserve more love. I mean, animation directors, especially like, and animators in general deserve more love. So uh, this is your uh, educational Nightmare Before Christmas already. <laughs> I would say Henry Selleck and and Danny Elfman because that's and Danny him. Elfman, yes, Danny that's Elfman. true. That's um, true. You know, credit where credit's due. The songwriting exactly. in this and the vo- and the voice work is is fantastic. I know Danny true. Elfman does the voice of uh, of Jack Skellington and I forgot. So, oh my god, yeah. you're right. So, so I think there's a there's a lot in this movie that just works so well, um, and I just I, I I feel like the the plot beats, you know, like it basically they work. They work so well, but they also work to enhance the world, mm-hmm. and I think that is what also makes it so watchable. Because mm-hmm. um, every frame is just crafted, you know, just to to give you a little bit about insight into how this this world operates. And I think that that, and that's really interesting as well. It's also very jiffable. Every every time of year, <laughs> all yep. you'll see sorry. all the gifs. Even if you never watched the movie, you've seen all I'm, the gifs. I'm sorry, pardon me. Did you say jiffable? Yeah, jiffable. Sir. Not gifable. <laughs> I will I will blame it on the fact that you are from Philippines and that's what no, no, that's, that's, that's no, the big no. debate. Like that's, gif that's and my, gif. No, 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 people can't agree on that. It's actually like the opposite because um one, the guy who said it's GIF is says it's GIF. Two, whenever I see an American term and I consider when I learned this American term of GIF. I was like, well, Americans will say GIF, so I will say GIF, and I still say GIF to this day because that's what Americans would say. And I know it's not graphics, but it is GIF, and so therefore, what it's is the GIF. last? What's the last letter of the alphabet, Mats? Huh? What's the last letter of the alphabet? Last letter Z. <gasps> Why? Yeah, okay. You live in Canada. Your, theory, your theory's out the window. I know. I your see. Z- is out the window. Her. I say Z. No, I say Z when I spell out my own name so people don't get confused. But like I say Z in my head because again, I learned American English. I'm sorry. You're breaking our hearts. <laughs> I know, Adil. I'm sorry. Fine. It's Z. It's Z is the last letter. I don't care. America, I, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Um... Anyway, Chris Sarandon, who voices Jack, uh-huh. is also the prince in The Princess Bride. Voices Jack. Uh, the evil. Yeah. Oh yeah, evil prince. Oh, yes. yeah, I mean, for for the timeline, this evil had a prince pretty good. Sorry, had a pretty good pr- The Princess Bride. Oh, and Princess Bride. Yeah, oh. I mean, and for the he was chosen because his voice matched 
uh, Danny Elfman. Singing voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good, actually. That's even better. It's like, it's better than, um, oh, who was it? Who was it that people kept like ragging on for not having the same voice? Whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like just learning, learning these things. How many years later? Oh, man. Speaking of um, classic animated films, um, at least at least animation here like has aged well. <laughs> stop, mo- stop motion, stop motion will always age well because That's it's uh, it's, because it's it, stop it may it may look a little like less crisp, but because because you know you can only take pictures with such good cameras, but like stop motion is the cell shading of of making animation, right? Like it just no matter how old it gets, it'll always look crisp because of the amount of work that you have to do to make it look what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the 90s. Looks, it looks Sorry. as good as it did back then as it does now. Like stop motion looks amazing. And I think the that animation style adds to the weirdness of this movie because of just how everything looks. And and they 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 did a great job in building the world that they shot in. So like, you know, and I think the detail that they went into, that's not gonna, that's never gonna age. That's gonna always stay like that. And I think that's why this film holds up so well too. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, the 90s were a great decade for even 2D animation. I think that was the peak of 2D animation. After that, everything switched to 3D, um, mostly. Western cinema. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like it, it, it's, it's making a comeback from you know 2015 up, but I think you're right. I think there Mainstream, was a pendulum I think swing. Is what it is. Yeah. I think there was a pendulum swing of 2D in the 90s, and then it died out in the 2000s when they were all like computers are the future, mm-hmm. and now animators are just like mm, you can't rely on computers to spine everything. So we're going to go back to to doing that hand, and now you get stuff that combines best of both worlds that are coming out in 2021. Right? You're looking mm-hmm. at you know Arcane has absolutely insane animation for for what it is um you're looking at um oh what are the there's another disney movie that combined or into the spider-verse duh had had unreal (laughs) animation it's just like um the one that was 2d uh, mitchell's versus the machine was 2d animation that was a whole other and mixed with yeah that was great um yeah mitchell's versus the machines and also um klaus Klaus is 2D. 2d Klaus was purely 2D, by the way. There was no 3D in it, which yeah. is, yeah, wild. Um, it was the next step in 2D that the uh, director wanted to, like, really push. But, yeah, um, I mean, even now, like, 2D work, it may not be, like, as mainstream, but it's still happening. Like, there's literally one of the top three schools in the world called Gobelin in France. Um, Gobelin is, like, the top um, 2D school in the world. Um, and they release their short films every year, very cool stuff if you haven't looked at it it's g-o-b-e-l-i-n-s i'm I'm pushing them because they have some of the greatest short 2d films of this of this age and beyond yeah also talked about on our long way north episode yeah Yeah. that's true you you guys should check out shameless Mm -hmm. blood exactly yeah i mean like final thoughts for this movie i mean it's it's a good it's a good thing for a while i think yeah i mean like my i guess I guess my final thoughts is like this movie, this movie paved the way for, for, for a lot of things in the nineties. And I think mainly it paved the way for creating a film that is both meant for children and adults at the same time, which is something that um, 
never really happened before that I can think of. If I, I could be wrong, but like, especially, you know, after Batman Returns and that whole thing with Burton and it, and it being told it was for children and then McDonald's trying to sue them because they had the plot line where the penguin murders children in the sewers of Gotham and McDonald's was not happy. Uh, and it, that's what led to the whole campiness of uh, the Shoemaker uh, Batman movies. Which ironically um, went adult in another whole different direction. To yeah. be fair, <laughs> Batman Returns was plenty cartoonish. Well, yeah. yeah There's a different I mean, type of cartoon. It was just horror, horror cartoon. Whereas when they went the Schumacher route, it was very um, neon Schumacher. Neon lights. Neon lights. Right. Um, yeah, no. It, so, so it's weird. So this, this movie, this movie pretty much basically said, Hey, can we make a movie for both kids and adults? And it worked. And obviously Burton was just like, Hey, that movie worked for kids and adults. I can do the same thing for Batman. And clearly uh, that did Batman not. before that though. Batman Returns? was before that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Batman Returns. Sorry. Other way around. Batman Returns was like, let's make a movie for kids and adults. And then, the kids side work. got mad but... and then this movie was like okay well let's try this and try and how we can do which is probably why they got pissed that burton was on set in the first place who knows <laughs> <laughs> it was like... well, speculation. Yeah, I'm sure there were all speculation all but, um, speculation i do have but, um, a question um I, we all know it's like classic now how did it fare back back in the day i actually don't know like what was the box office looking like or what was the um you know what was the what was the i mean obviously reception wise a lot of people were mad but you know whatever um, hey, you got this but how does it fare i got the numbers from me oh but it's your segment sorry one second um okay well the movie did astonishingly well i mean domestically it, it made about 77 million dollars and then with a, wow. with a total run back when the international box office didn't matter as much it made about 91 million dollars um so no complaints there. I think the budget was about an estimated 24 or 25 million. So it made like three times back its budget. Uh, I don't think they spent insane amounts on marketing like they do nowadays. So, you know, I think it did extremely well back then. Obviously VHS sales also probably helped this film stay alive and stay within, you know, so that many generations could watch that, watch it, you know, moving forward. Well, there was, the re- there was the re-release, mm-hmm. right, in 2007 that Grand did another $15 million on top. Yep, and I think it was a, there was a three, it was at the 3D release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, and that mm-hmm. granted another $15 million, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just a re-release. Um, but, I mean, tell that to Avatar, uh, James Cameron Avatar, and re-releases <laughs> do help. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, apart from the fact that Disney is like, you know, squeezing it for every li- little dollop of like merch money they can, um, this movie deserves it some classic status. Um, you don't need us to tell you that, but maybe if you did, then you, we told you in the last hour. Um, it's a good movie. It's uh, not only a good movie, it's a good holiday, like, general just holiday mood, um, mood setter and amazing musical. Like the songs still hold up to this day. It's great. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I love this movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great movie too. It, it's all for all the reasons you guys said. Plus, it's it's a very funny movie. There's there's a moment where they uh, the kids mistakenly capture the Easter Bunny instead of Santa, and Jack's reaction just made me die laughing because he was just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. You return that man first, and then you capture Santa." <laughs> and then the bunny and the bunny's in the bag, just like 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 
trembling. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I just love like this master of evil, like his priorities as principles. You will return this guy first. He apologizes to him multiple times. And then he tells them, you return him, you apologize, and then you come back and then you do your job. You know, there is like an argument to be made that it's just a cultural difference for Jack. Like in his in his world, kidnapping's not a big deal. Yeah. In fact, dying isn't even a big deal. <laughs> it's just but I'm sure he's like, well, it seems to be inconveniencing you, so I'm gonna say apologize. I, th- I think that's why this movie works so well. It's the idea that like, you know, they're they're trying to bring joy and cheer, but they're bringing joy and cheer the only in the way that they know how, which is hmm. to terrify, kill, maim. <laughs> yeah. Destroy. Uh, cultural appropriation. Good job, America. That's <laughs> uh, it's great. great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anywho, uh, yeah, everyone. You know, Merry thanks. Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening uh, to another episode of Plot Mechanics. Um, did we say our names? I'm saying my names, anyways. I'm Leon. I mean, we say, I'm mad. We didn't say names at the beginning. We didn't say names at the beginning. Say now. Well, I'm Leon. I'm Ed. I'm Adil. And I'm Otzi. And thanks again for joining us. You guys suck at playing along, but thanks again. <laughs> you got to keep that. Improv, improv, people. <laughs> no, I was just like, hold on. I'm pretty sure they know who we are at this point. If you would assume uh, so. We still got to say our names, I guess. <laughs> right? Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. We love you. Enjoy the holidays with your friends and family. And, uh, you know. Be back next week. Yeah. For our season finale. Yeah. Oh, I guess our season finale. Our Christmas yeah, season kind of. finale. Yeah. Yay. Sorry, right. year finale. <laughs> End of yeah, out. 2021 finale. Okay. Peace out. Much love. Right. Easy. See you later. Bye. Happy holiday. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Plot Mechanics. Let us know what you think of this movie, whether you think it's a Halloween movie, a Christmas movie, or you stand with Ed and uh say it's a November first movie. Uh, yeah, it was a great conversation. Next week, we'll be talking about Home Alone, the quintessential Christmas movie uh, that everyone knows and watches with uh, Macaulay Culkin. And that'll be next week's conversation. But for now, we are signing off. We will talk to you or you will listen to us uh, next week. Enjoy. Sit back. Have a great holiday season. Cheers. <laughs>